You're listening to Rooted and Overflowing. Welcome to the show. I am thrilled to share a conversation with the beautifully blessed woman of God, Essie Faye Taylor. God is writing a story for Essie, and boy, is it an exciting one. Of course, it's not without its troubles, because after all, it's through our hard times that God is able to work on our hearts and prepare us to shine Christ's light and draw people to Him. Essie is a multi-hyphenate unlike any other that I've had the pleasure of talking with. She's a minister, author, praise and worship artist, Spanish teacher, and there are two more endeavors that I'll give you an opportunity to hear about in the episode. Listen in. Essie, welcome to Rooted and Overflowing. Thank you so much, Letitia. I'm so happy to be here. And hello to all of your listeners. Thank you so much. I am happy to have you here. You are an evangelist. You're an author. You're a psalmist. So I'm excited for our conversation today. You have a book and it is on the topic of love. And it's part of a series, Finding the Love That You Deserve. What led you to begin talking about love? The book, the the series is called Finding the Love You Deserve. Uh, The first book is 30 Lessons in Love, Self-Love and Acceptance. And what led me to talking about love is when I discovered um, after healing from an abusive marriage, a uh, divorce and spousal abandonment, I realized as I started to do the work of healing that I was hurting. And that I was lacking love, true self-love. And so uh, the lack of self-love caused me to make certain decisions in my life. It caused me to take certain path in life. And so I had to heal myself. Mm-hmm. I had to partner with God in order to heal myself, to, to start to love myself and accept myself for who God created me to be. And so the series and the book was really birthed out of a time of darkness, of loss, of grief, of sorrow, of pain. You know, it was really birthed out of that. And during that time, I really had to do some reflecting about how I really viewed myself, how I didn't really accept myself, or um, it was very difficult to realize all this time that I didn't really truly love who I was. Mm -hmm. As women of faith, we're taught to love others. We're taught to love God with all that we have, with our mind, soul, and strength, right? Mm -hmm. But then there's not a lot of uh, encouragement to love yourself. You know, a lot of times we say deny ourselves, right? Sacrifice yourself. That we know well. We know all about self-sacrifice. We know about putting ourselves on the back burner for others, particularly mothers and wives. Um, We serve others uh, a lot of times selflessly. And, And regardless of how we're feeling, you know, if you ask a mom, if her child gets sick, if she's sick, she's still going to push through and take care of that child. Yeah. You know, motherhood really doesn't have any breaks. And a lot of times being a wife doesn't have breaks either. And I, I think as women, we are nurturers, natural nurturers and caregivers. And so we care for others and many times neglect, we neglect ourselves. And so I think, you know, that's what I realized. And I'm like, whoa, you know. I've accepted certain things because 
I didn't love myself enough to say, no, I'm worth it. You know, I accepted treatment from, you know, my ex-husband. Why? Because I felt like I had to accept that. I felt like I, you know, I didn't set the proper boundaries. I didn't require certain things from him. And so I was hurt. I was manipulated. I was, you know, abused emotionally. I was abused uh, verbally. And um, it, it was it was a tough situation, but it was even more difficult to reflect and to see myself in that situation and realize the part that I played in the scenario, you know. And so as a result, I, I just started writing and, and this this book just flowed out of me. And so I'm I'm really charged with encouraging women to love themselves unconditionally, um, with abandon and to accept themselves as God made them, you know, without downplaying our gifts and our talents, without uh, brushing off compliments. You know what I mean? Like there are just so many things that we do as women that a lot of times we don't pat ourselves on the back. We don't celebrate ourselves. I'm all for that. So that was like the major event, um, going through that dark, very dark time in my life that caused me to reflect and say, wait a minute, you're not loving yourself as you should. Like, do you even really love yourself? Do you appreciate yourself? Do you accept yourself? And so that's why I started to write about self-love and acceptance. That is very insightful that you say that. And as you were talking, Essie, it made me think about how we do get lost in the trauma when we have... Just traumatic things happen over and over again or just over a period of time. Um, we do lose a sense of ourselves, a sense of what's acceptable to us, what's unacceptable to us. And what was it like when you started to turn the corner? What was it like when you decided, you know what, this is not working for me. I need to make this change and start to love myself. It was pretty lonely. I. I've always had faith. You know, I'm a pew baby. So I was born on a pew practically, (laughs) right? Born in the church, raised in the church. And at the age of 15, I gave my life to the Lord, decided I wanted to serve him. And so I started in ministry all through high school, through college, living my life for the Lord. and, And I, you know, became a minister. The Lord called me at 19. And at 20, you know, I, I, after God studying his word, I went to college and I preached my first sermon. So I was really involved in ministry, working with young people um, and living life as a single unto the Lord, you know, abstaining from, you know, sex, right? Premarital sex. You know, I, I was abstaining from all of the things that are contrary to biblical principles. You know what I mean? I was living my life by faith, according to faith. And so ended up getting married to a pastor. Right. And I'm, and I hear I am thinking like, man, you know what, what, how much better can I do than to marry a pastor, commit myself to the Lord, commit my, my life to a life of service, um, to God's church, right? To God's people. Turns out, you know, I was in a very dark place because I felt like I had done all the things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I had checked all the boxes. And, and one thing that I loved about the information that you share with me is, you know, one question was, you know, what do you do when your faith is tried? You know, what do you do when you cross all the T's, you dot all the I's, you know, like Job, you know, Job was a man that was perfect before God, yet all of these things happened to him. You know, like what, what do we do in real time when we're faced? with those situations that are dark circumstances and our faith is tested and tried. And so I started to turn a corner when I decided that I needed to get out of this relationship. Uh And and we know, 
you know, in, in Christian communities, divorce is oftentimes a stigma. You know, nobody, oh, don't divorce, don't do, you know, regardless to what you're going through and maybe you're experiencing abuse or maybe you may be um, abandoned by a spouse or, you know, you're just, it's just not working for you. And um, after crying, I mean, I literally, I pray like I never have prayed before in my marriage, you know, and a lot of people say, you know, fight for your marriage. Don't give up. I was fighting for my life. Uh, unfortunately, I was the only one fighting. It's it's much more complex. And I think a lot, a lot of times we simplify things that are much more complex. And a lot of times people don't understand. They don't understand what's going on. You don't even understand what's going on when you're in a dark season um, many times, but it was it was my faith that sustained me. Um, it was my relationship with God and prayer and uh, continuing to worship despite the pain and the heartache and the struggle and, and the confusion, not understanding like, Lord, what's happening? This is, it's not supposed to go down like this. You know, it's not supposed to happen this way. Um, and so I turned a corner when I decided that this is not what God has for me. God doesn't want me to be broken. God doesn't want me to be hurt. He doesn't want me to be abused. Mm-hmm. He is not ordained for me to be abandoned and stuck. And so regardless of what others were saying, even in my in my faith community, or even in my my family, I had to decide. You know what? I'm getting up from here. Yeah, I'm going to start to heal. I'm yeah. going to start to. I'm going to break with this relationship and pursue my healing and my mental health, my emotional health. And I, the minute I made that decision, I began to heal because I was not stuck in that situation. Turning a corner sometimes means. Um, letting go of the things that no longer serve you, whatever that is, you know, and sometimes we're stuck in situations because we're holding on to maybe something that someone said or something that someone taught us, or, um, you know, maybe it's, it's an erroneous doctrine of some sort or whatever the case may be, or maybe it's, maybe it's fear of what others might think or what others might say about you, you know? Um, but I decided that, no, this is not what God has for me. God has something more for me. God has healing for me. God has restoration for me. God has that for me. And I need to move toward that and not be bound by fear of, oh my God, what will my faith community say? I'm getting a divorce. You know, or what, what are people going to think about me? And that's very real. You know, you think, okay, what are, what are they going to say? And then too, not to mention what your spouse may say about you to other people to cover them, to make them seem like they did the right thing or whatever. So it's, it's, or your ex spouse. It's just it's it's a lot to deal with. But when I made that decision to divorce and to move forward with my life and with my healing, that's when I turned the corner. You know, I turned the corner because I I was I decided that I wanted what God had for me, which was healing. I wanted to live a life of empowerment, you know, and partner with God so that I can receive everything that He had for me. What part did community play in your healing journey? Were you alone or did you have people that were around you or with you to give you the support that you needed? I did have people. So there were several parts of my journey. So during when I was going through that situation, I felt alone. I felt so alone because we don't talk about things like that. We don't talk about being in ministry and being in the public eye and being married to a man of God or, you know, a woman of God in leadership. And at the same time, having struggles in your marriage, you know, like we, we don't talk about abuse in faith communities within marriages. In fact, we don't talk about dysfunction. We don't talk about that. 
And so for me, I was, I felt so alone. I was afraid yeah, because I didn't, didn't really have anybody to talk to because I, I wanted to protect my marriage. I wanted to protect my spouse. I thought, you know, maybe this will pass, you know, maybe we could work through it. Um, and so I felt so alone. I felt so tormented. You know, I also reached out to other leaders for assistance, but it honestly, they turned a deaf ear. You know, it was, it was, they turned a, a deaf ear to my, my concerns. And that made me feel even worse. You know, I, one leader even told me, uh, think about his ministry, you know, just think about his ministry. So I was supposed to be the sacrificial lamb for this ministry when his ministry is me. I'm his ministry, you know, not, not the congregation or I, I really felt alone at that time. I really yes. felt hurt. And I also felt like, God, are you hearing me? You know, so it was a, l- a lot of things at play at that moment. But when I, once I decided to really um, make the move for divorce and to move forward with my life, I found a church community. My my because I hadn't even shared a lot of things that I experienced in my marriage with my family, like my parents, my sisters and brothers. They I hadn't shared it with them because I really was trying. I wanted to protect my marriage just in case, you know, it turned around. Things were different. You know, I really didn't tell anybody the things that were happening. I hate that idea that now looking back, I should have shared the things that were happening. Yeah. Maybe it would have things would have turned out differently. I don't know. You know, but in my mind, I was trying to protect my marriage, which is why I think about people to say, don't tell people your business. Some things you, some things you need to tell. Some things, oh, you need to be like, oh, no, this is happening. You know what I mean? So that someone can know, you know what? No, nah, that ain't right. You know, that's not, that's, that's not normal, you know? And so you need to have that community and that person, that inner circle where you can share those things that are happening so that you can get some counsel, that so that you can get some understanding, especially when you're new in your marriage, you've never been married before. Like it's 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 a lot, you know, that comes with that. But I found a community and they nursed me to health. I mean, I I was so broken, distraught. I was so hurt. I was so f- like fragmented that being a part of the Pentecostal community church in Kankakee really it really saved my life, to say the least. And I and I always, I will forever be grateful to the pastor and first lady because they just took me under their wings. And I was at church. One thing I did not do is I did not stop coming to church. I came to church <laughs> when I didn't have anywhere. I was there. I was there. I was crying at the altar. I was laid out on the floor. But I was there because I was I was so hurt. And and to this day. I still don't understand. And I don't think, you know, sometimes you go through things, you just, you don't get it. You don't get it. And I, maybe when I get to heaven, I'll understand it. But I, to this day, I feel like I don't know why I had to go through that. I don't know why, you know, to this day, I know I can help somebody because I went through that, but I don't know why, but they saved my life. I'm telling you, they nursed me back to health and God used them to heal, to heal me. You sharing your story is enough for any woman who hears this to be able to to take hold and know that okay I'm experiencing this in my marriage it's good for me to talk to somebody talk to somebody um, who's impartial that will be helpful to be able to get the counsel that you need in order to see things straight 
Because like we were saying just a couple minutes ago, we can get lost, just lost in the things that are happening in our marriage. But community and having people um, in our corner who know the word of God and who want to help us to be healed. So I'm so grateful and thankful for you that you were able to find that in the church community that you found. And I think also what you mentioned, Essie, about you did not stop going to church. You know, being in the presence of the Lord corporately in his house at the appointed time of worship, that does wonders for us. Yes. So I praise God that you were able to 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 do that, to find it in yourself, to say, you know what? I need to be in church. I need to be here. You talked about being at the altar and just, just being able to receive from God. And it doesn't take away from us being able to receive from God at home right. or anywhere right. you know that we are. But we know that there's an appointed time for us to gather as believers. So um, it's definitely refreshing to hear that you didn't keep yourself away from the house of God, but that you found your way there. That is a blessing. And I want to add this because I think sometimes when you're going through such difficult times, that time at home is good, but sometimes you can't even pray. I don't know if you've ever been in a space where you're just so overwhelmed or or it just seemed like at that point, like it was a dark cloud over me. I don't even know how else to describe it. Like I, I pray like I've never prayed before when I was, you know, in that situation, I fasted almost daily. Like I was seeking God, like what is going on? The, the bottom is falling out. The roof is caving in. And, and at the same time, there are times where I just could not pray. There were there were times where I was so overwhelmed with emotion. And and it's those times where you need to go to the sanctuary. Sometimes sometimes being at home is not going to do it for you. You have to gather in in the community for strength. You have to you not only are you receiving but you're laying things down. You know, like there's some things you got to take off at the altar that you have in your spirit. Maybe it's the spirit of heaviness because you're going through, but you need to be able to put it off of you and to put on the garment of praise. Sometimes you you need help with that in the community. I'd love to hear you talk about just that balance between, you know, being able and being willing to go the extra mile, but how to set the right boundaries so that we don't injure ourselves right. in the process. Right. Two things that are super important. These things really kind of revolutionize the way that I think about myself in relation to God, in relation to ministry, in relation to serving others. And, and the first thing is that we have a relationship with ourselves first, right? The, just the idea that you are the most important person in your life. A lot of times we don't, really internalize that. We don't realize, you know what? Without me, I would not have a life. We're always looking outside of ourselves to someone else that's the most important. Who's the most important? Well, God is the most important. We know that's a given. God is the most important, right? But in order for us to have a life, we must be number one. We must care for ourselves. We must have a relationship with ourselves. How are we treating ourselves? How are we speaking to ourselves in our mind? What are, what is what are our thoughts? You know, how are we 
caring for ourselves. You know, are we care? You have to care for yourself before you can care for somebody else. Even on the um on a plane, they tell you what to put your your oxygen mask on first, right? Before you can help someone else. But we don't. We have a hard time doing that, right? Because we're looking. Oh, I need to help this person. I need to help that person. So we have we have to be intentional. And even myself, I've had to really change my thinking. And this is just a small thing. So. God bless me. And, you know, I went through the healing process. I'm still healing today. It's not over, right? But um, I found love and I remarried. And so one thing that I've been very intentional about, I'm always as a wife thinking of my husband first, and then I'll think of myself. So let's say I'm cooking dinner, right? And I don't know, we have like one chicken leg left. Let's just say we, we both we want both want the chicken leg. I will automatically give the chicken leg to my husband and I'll be like, okay, or if I preparing dinner, preparing something first, and I would make sure that his things are ready first in case he wants to eat a little earlier and then I'll finish what I'm doing. But then I'm like, okay, that's considerate, right? But why should I neglect myself? You know what I mean? For him, for him, oh, I'm not going to get that. I'm not going to get the chicken leg. I'm going to give him the chicken leg. And then, okay, I just won't have anything. But I could just go to the store and get some more chicken, right? I could just do that. But just the thought of, I think a lot of times as women, we're often putting someone else before ourselves. And we think that that's making us the hero. Or we think think that that's something that we need to do. That's not required. (laughs) That's not required. We, and so, but it's a paradigm, it's a paradigm shift in our, in our mind. That, you know what, I have to take care of myself, you know, especially when you have kids. Now, I don't have kids, but I see mothers give their very last. They're on their last and they don't even have any energy. But if your child needs something, what do you do? You get up and you make it happen, right? Um, But more and more, I'm hearing people say, you know what, take care of yourself, sis. Mom, you've got to take care of yourself. That's the reality. Because if you get sick and drop dead, no, you can't help anybody. Everybody else suffers. And so I think it's a delicate balance. So the first thing is you are the most important person in your life. That's revolutionary. If you think you wake up in the morning and you think of that, what are you going to do? You're going to take care of yourself. You're going to set your boundaries and say, you know what? I don't have the energy. I'm not doing that. You know, you're going to, oh, have I eaten today? You know, you're going to care for yourself. Oh, did I, you know, did I have my quiet time? You're going to protect your time and say, you know what? In order for me to be the best person that I would be, I need to have an hour to myself to do some things that I enjoy. You're going to start thinking differently once you realize you're the most important person in your life. The second thing that really, um, you know, that I had to learn is that we can heal ourselves. We partner with God for our healing. And a lot of times, you know, as women, we are waiting for someone else to heal us. We're waiting for someone else to come and rescue us. And we, you know, the the knight in shining armor, you know, we're, we're, we're waiting or we don't realize that we are um, empowered. We have been empowered by God to partner with him in our healing. You know, maybe you're hurting from a past relationship, right? So it's time for you to do the work to heal yourself. God is the healer, right? But he also has empowered us to heal. These signs shall follow them that that believe, right? We're going to lay hands on the sick and they will recover, right? And, And we're if you he, if you are sick, call for the elders of the church, and they will pray pray the the prayer of faith, and the 
prayer of faith shall raise him up, right? The sick person. And so God has given us that ability to heal ourselves. How do we heal ourselves? We heal ourselves by um we can by reflecting. Sometimes we're just reflection, journaling. We can heal ourselves by speaking life into our lives. We can heal ourselves by refusing to accept um, the things that have been damaging to us, discovering new practices that are healing, you know, changing our behavior, right? Changing our speaking, our thoughts. There are a lot of strategies that you can use for your for your healing. Sometimes therapy that can heal. We can heal through prayer, right? We can heal through reading the word. We can heal through so many avenues of healing. Taking time for yourself, that's healing. Quiet yes. quiet time, right? Meditation mm-hmm. is so many different strategies that we can use to heal. We can heal ourselves first by acknowledging the pain. A lot stop being in denial. Stop holding on to stuff that you grudges you have for years. Hurt, hurt that you've experienced for years that that went unaddressed, things that you've been running away from, hiding and hiding from, not wanting to deal with your own personal issues. You know, so we can be we are the agents that God uses to heal. And so we've got to do the work, begin to do the work so that we can heal and we can balance balance, you know, our self-care with caring for others and begin to set the appropriate boundaries in our relationships, you know, with others. All of that answered a question I was going to ask about what would be the first step. And I heard you mention, admit that there's something wrong. Just us being honest and upfront with how we're feeling. That's a great starting point. That is, that's, that's the starting point. But the challenge is a lot of times we are either in denial or we are unwilling to acknowledge what it is, you know? So like you said, your analogy of even the nail, I'm sure you, I'm sure you felt, you know, the person felt the, felt the nail, they felt the pain, right? But they had to ignore it. Oh, oh, that's nothing. Just ignore it. You know, they, they felt that they, you know, they were being, they were unable, they start to have a limp. Oh, this is nothing. Don't worry about the limp. I'll make it through. It's all right. I got things to do. And then not prioritizing. So so not acknowledging the the pain, not acknowledging the trauma or the issue at hand, you know, the 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 toxic behaviors that we have sometimes, you know, the the cycles that we repeat, you know, not acknowledging those things. And then it just continues. What you're sharing about caring for ourselves. You know, I just never realized how there are women out there who don't feel like they deserve to care for themselves, you know, much less to be cared for. But to actually take time to care for myself, it's not new, but it's something that that women are really starting to just now embrace for themselves. And it's such an important message. Yes, yes. There's there's just so much in what you just said um related to uh how we view ourselves as women. And I think there are so many elements that play into a uh, perspective um and just view self-image. Um I think that there are a lot of factors traditionally and historically women back in the day were considered property. If we're just honest about it, you know, just if you think about the history of women, um, just not only not only in America, but worldwide, women have been considered second class citizens, actually. 
you know, and so that speaks to a lot, you know, that women have to combat even today. You know, we have to think about that. Um, I, I just read a statistic that I think it was like a 19, I want to say 19, the 1900s, really, probably 19, I want to say 1940, relatively close to today, a woman had to get her husband's permission to open up a bank account. You know, I mean, even in the 1900s, women were not driving. Women were not working. Women were at home, right? Women had a certain role and there was a certain uh, status that women had and women did not have, right? And so if we think of it that way, there are a lot of things societal, society tells you, sends you messages about what it means to be a woman, about your value as a woman, right? What you bring to the table. And it's not only, you know, society, but your culture. You know, your your racial background, your ethnicity, um, and, and almost so many countless um, cultures around the world, women are still experiencing uh, prejudices and um, discrimination because they're because we are women. And so you have to you start, you know, start to be start to realize that, you know what, this is not just an individual thing. In a lot of cases, it's a systemic thing that women's value is not validated. The value of a woman is questioned. And so we're constantly fighting those things. And then on top of that, so that's that's the systemic, you know, um view or oppressors upon women, right? So I and personally I believe it's a stronghold that that we have to pull down because God doesn't say that about women. Right? He says there's no neither male nor female, right? Nor Jew nor Gentile in Christ Jesus. You know, he gave them dominion. So it's it's so much that we can talk about um where God, you know, created women in his image and his likeness. You know, he he blessed women, right? As well as men. And so their society is telling you, sending you messages that are questioning the value of women. Then not only that, culturally, in different cultures, they say different things about women. Then you have individually, maybe somebody spoke over your life as a child that made you question like, wow, can I do this? Am I valuable? And then maybe as an adult, maybe in the career, in the career field, they, they said, oh, you're a woman in science. I don't know. Women can't do science. Like women don't know how to do math. There's so many things. And these are all from the enemy. They're not of God. And so we have all of these things at play that are fighting, fighting you. And so when it comes to acknowledging, you're acknowledging what, what did this thought come from? Why am I struggling with my value? That's when you begin to reflect and acknowledge that and then explore it. What what did it come from? Oh, well, it came from, you know, when I was a child and my auntie said that I would never be anything because I was a girl or my, you know, my boss, when I was 19, he said that I could never make it in a male dominated field. Like those things, when you start to pinpoint the roots of that thought or the root of that feeling. So it's acknowledging and pinpointing what it is and also working with it starting to pull down those thoughts that is that are exalting themselves against the knowledge of God, right? Against the thing that God says, God says that you're loved. God says that you are beautiful. You're beautifully and wonderfully made. God says that you are blessed. 
right? God says that you're not inferior to anyone. God says that you're the head and not the tail, right? So you begin to pull down those things that are exalting themselves against the things that God has declared over your life. And then sometimes it takes therapy. You got to work through some stuff, right? You got you to gotta write down some stuff. You have to get gain some clarity on that episode that happened and, and the feelings that you have and, and the impact that is having currently in your life. And so you, you've got to do the work. But first, you start by acknowledging it and then exploring what is it? Like, what did this come from? And, you know, and then putting the word of God on it. What does God say about me? He's, he loves me unconditionally. He loves me just as I am. He accepts me. He says that I'm good. Why don't I say that I'm good? He says that I'm acceptable. Why don't I say that? He says that I am more than a conqueror. He says that I can do all things. God says all these things about us. And we know that his word is absolute truth. There is no lie in it. We have to accept God's word and what he says about us and start to say those things. I love that. And that supports what you said previously about how we speak to ourselves is important. And it brings up that concept of the facts are, but the truth is. Facts can say some really damaging things, but the truth behind that is what we get from the word of God. And you you just expressed that so beautifully. And that's what we need so that we can speak to ourselves in the right way. Yes. And, and it's so cool because we have the authority. One of the things that I've been discovering is that as Christian women or women of faith, many times we feel helpless. We feel like I'm waiting on God to do this. And God has given us the authority to call those things forward. God has given us the power to speak. You waiting on God to speak. Lord, I just need the word. I need you to speak. And God is like, well, you speak. We have the authority to speak those things. Scripture says, speak those things that are not as though they were, right? He says that we can decree a thing and it will be done. Whatever you say, whatever you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive it, right? So you have what you say. Why aren't we, weren't, why aren't more of us saying what we want? We should be saying those things because it's going to come to pass according to the faith, according to faith, according to the word of God. Whatever we say is happening. Amen. Well, finding the love that you deserve. This is an important series. Tell us about it. So this this book is uh, it's a labor of love. Indeed, um, it is for the it's the teen edition. So it is geared toward the ages of 13 to 16. Um, and the focus of it is basically to give teens 30 lessons that I wish I would have known at their age. Um, and it's, it's almost like from an auntie perspective, I don't have any children, but I have 30, I have 30 nieces and nephews. And so I'm thinking about what would I tell my child or what would I tell my nieces, you know, about life? You know, what are some key lessons that they need to know about self-management? So the focus is on self-management, decreasing anxiety and depression, and also just coming into their young adulthood. So, you know, I really want um, teens to read this book and uh, increase in their faith, grow in faith, grow in their uh, knowledge of the word, because it does include uh, scriptural uh, references. It also has, um, it's a devotional, but it's also kind of like a workbook. It's a mixture of devotional workbook, personal anecdotals from, from my life, and just lessons that will help them to develop into uh, young women of faith. 
Um, So I'm very excited because I think about all of the lessons that I learned as a young adult that would have benefited me as a, as a youth, as a young person. Think about all of the lessons <laughs> that you learned. Like if you were like 13 to 16, like that time is such a tumultuous time too, right? It's like you're going through so much, like growing, so many growing pains. Things are so different. Um, this is a new world. Your body is changing. Your hormones are changing. So much is going on. It's a lot, you know, but just think of just the lessons. And then too, I, I see, so I've seen so many young people in my educational career as a teacher, and I've seen them make so many choices that they didn't have to make. If they would have just had a mentor to say, you know what? maybe let's think about this. You know, do you really want to make this choice? Do you, are you sure about this? Like, how is this going to impact the rest of your life? You know, do you, just to have someone to sit down and say, hey, I see you and I've been there. Like, just to, just to say, you know what, you're going to get through this. That, that That's powerful, right? Because I, I, I would always think as a as a teenager, the main thought I had, I was scared of everything. Okay. I was <laughs> I was I was afraid of everything because I did I just didn't know so much. And the my main fear was, am I gonna get through this? Is it gonna be okay? That was the main fear. How about you? Did you did you have a main fear when you were that age? I was always concerned about what people would say. I think, you know, what, what, what would people say? What would people think? That was my big, that was, that was always my (laughs) biggest fear. I just didn't want, just didn't want to really know what it was that people would say or think. And I thank God for the redeeming work that that's not what's on my mind. Yes. These days. Yes. But you, you know, but you know what the coolest thing is, as you get older, you really realize like, it doesn't matter what people say or what they think. You know what I mean? Like, but you you know, but if you if you would have had that at that point, somebody to say, you know what, does it matter? In twenty years, nobody will remember anyway. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, and then too, also like nobody's even thinking about you. Everybody else is really worried about themselves. If you really, that's right. If you if you would have had that, like, I think I would have done so many things. So many, mm-hmm. I would have done things differently if I would have yeah. had that just nudge. Like, you know what, it's gonna be okay. You yeah. know, you're you're thirteen. It's okay yeah. to make mistakes. It's okay. So that's that's what the that's what the book is about. <laughs> Just seeking God because I really want it to be relevant. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I would love at this time just to hear about what it is that you do these days. You you mentioned teaching. Mm-hmm. I know, let me say this right, hablas español. Sí, hablo español. <laughs> that's what I remember from high school. <laughs> so you're teaching, um, you are bilingual, uh, you're an evangelist, even a psalmist. I read you're a recording artist. So please um, expound on some of the other endeavors that you're working on. So um, currently I'm, I'm doing a lot. Like I'm a teacher full time. I teach Spanish, high school Spanish. And then I also am an English as a second language teacher. So um, I've been doing that for a while. I've been teaching for 20 years. I am an evangelist. I do uh, bilingual ministry, praise and worship um, every fourth Sunday at the Miracle Signs and Wonders Ministry um, in Berwyn, Illinois. Berwyn has a huge uh, Spanish speaking population. Um, and I'm also a psalmist. Uh, just, you know, I love praise and worship. I'm a recording artist. I recorded 
an album in 2017, my EP in 2017. It can be found on soundcloud.com. Um, and I also um, dropped a, a, an, um, a single um, dedicated to my uh, younger brother who passed away suddenly. Um, so that is one of my favorite songs. Um, but I have not been like performing. I've just been really um, in ministry uh, with with bilingual praise and worship, and I do do um, ministry at my local assembly in Chicago, Apostolic Faith Church. Um, and so I'm excited about that. I'm also a podcaster. It's called Heart to Heart with Essie Faye. I'm doing a series entitled Separation and Divorce in Faith Communities. And um, we've had couples on to talk about like preventative measures, how to, you know, how to safeguard your marriage, how to uh, just build on the love that you share, how to protect your marriage, how to move forward together, how to work through tough situations. Um, I've also had divorcees who talked about their experience of, uh, you know, during separation and divorce and how to how they use their faith to uh, sustain them and what strategies they use to uh, overcome the loss um, of it all and to heal. I've also had authors and experts on that talked about like, what does uh, abuse look like in marriage? Um, there have been a, a myriad of experiences of people in, you know, in faith communities that experienced uh, divorce for one reason or another. So it's just so much that goes into that. But um, I'm using the platform to really bring healing to those who, in many cases, have been kind of like rejected or, you know, just not ministered to. And in a lot of faith communities, some faith communities are doing really well with that. So um, I'm doing uh, the podcast. I'm also an improviser with well-versed comedy. Um, you can check us out at wellversedcomedy.com. We do clean comedy. So um, family-friendly improv, which you can't find a lot of places. We are um, found in Chicago, you know, in the Chicagoland area. So we perform and it's a lot of fun. It's a whole lot of, a whole lot of fun. And of course I'm an author, so I'm just writing and uh, I just recently started a medical interpreting course uh, to be you know, to become a medical interpreter. So I'm, it's, it's no joke. <laughs> this is another level of, um, of learning. So that's what I'm doing lately. And when you say medical interpreter, what is that? So a medical interpreter is, um, it's an interpreter person that cut, goes into like medical spaces. It could be at the doctor's office. It could be in a hospital. It could be before surgery. Um, it could be, uh, intake someone that basically just interprets from one language to another for someone who is a limited English proficient. So in this case, it will be a Spanish speaker that doesn't know um, very much English. So I would interpret what the doctor says or what the nurse is saying for them from English to Spanish. And then I could even do, of course, from Spanish to English, what the patient is saying to the doctor that does not speak Spanish. Um, so yeah. That is absolutely amazing. That is amazing. And I just love how God has his people in every space. We can be found everywhere doing his work, serving people. That is phenomenal. And I am so excited about the topics that you have on your podcast. And the reason why is because I know in our conversation today, we touched on pain points, different issues that are very, very critical that I know definitely need 
much more treatment and attention than what we gave it in the podcast today. And it's definitely outside of the scope of what my experience is to know that you will be tackling that issue. I will definitely be listening and would love to even share that marriage and divorce within the church, you know, as it relates to people in ministry, it's critical. It's critical because there are families Mm -hmm. in need. There are marriages in need. So I can only anticipate that the hand of God would be in that and that it would be a very um, powerful series to help many people. So bravo. And um, we'll be praying for you Mm -hmm. and all of the guests that you have. Thank Um, you. Yeah, because there so there are much. so many layers. That's been my phrase for the past couple of years. There are so many layers that we just um, that are to everything that we do, you know, and we were talking earlier, everything's not as cut and dry as, you know, we'd like to think that they are. But I thank God that he helps us to navigate the layers. He helps us to navigate these gray spaces and and honor him in the midst. So this, it has, oh my gosh, this has been an absolute joy um, to talk with you and to learn more about what you do and, um, and to learn just how you're being a blessing to the body of Christ. I have really enjoyed myself. Essie, where can we find you online? You can find me on uh, Instagram. Uh, My handle is the, T-H-E underscore S-E-E-S-S-I-E underscore fay f-a-y-e the underscore s-e underscore fay you can find me on facebook at esther uh, taylor or you can find me on my website at www.sefaytaylor.com awesome be blessed in the lord the chair is always open to you at rooted and overflowing if you ever have anything that comes up that you would like to share uh, we would love to have you back again thank you so much god bless you Thank you for listening to Rooted and Overflowing. To hear back episodes and learn more about the podcast, visit rootedandoverflowing.com. Resources are available and they are designed to equip you and enhance your walk with Jesus Christ. When you rate and review the show, it helps me make sure I'm sharing information that is valuable. So I invite you to let me know how I'm doing and share the podcast with a friend. Until next time, Stay rooted in Christ and overflow with gratitude.